Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Well, some breaking uh, Big 12 football news. Jalen Daniels out for Kansas uh, when they host UCF on Saturday. John Rice Plumley for UCF is still up in the air. That's big. Kinda. I mean, what is back tightness? <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be real with you. That, that sounds like one of the softest injuries I've ever heard. I've I've only really heard it with baseball players. Sure. I'm not exactly sure what happens when there's back tightness. Do they throw their back out? Yeah. That is, like, you know, now that you say something, really, it's it's like uh, pitchers, it always seems like it, like, back tightness, back soreness. Is that the old, uh, my back, coach, my back. (laughs) Back says I need a backyotomy. Yeah, (laughs) backyotomy. That's, uh, I'm glad we got this cleared up now, though. Because all week it's been kind of weird, like you know, day to day. What's this story? Hasn't practiced. No update Wednesday, and now it's been uh, uh, tweeted out by Brett McMurphy. He says that uh, Jalen Daniels a no go for Saturday. So Man. it's going to be Jason Bean making the start. It's Jason Bean's team uh, team until. Uh, Oh, Jalen's back loosens up. <laughs> hey, man, loosen up, dude. Yeah, go to a chiropractor or yeah, something, man. Come on. Take it easy. Welcome to the game, Mitch Fortner, David G, Travion Berkland. Uh, we have Mitch in Vegas coming up later on in the show. We'll make our six predictions based on Vegas lines. Travion, it was just me and him actually last week doing Mitch in Vegas along with your picks and, and Troy's picks. You also gave me his picks for this week as well as he's still in Florida. I guess he's coming back from Florida. And uh, Travion, would you like to know your results? I was skimming the channels at my dad's house because he has cable, and I saw that Notre Dame was doing pretty good compared to what I was saying. We have uh, we have flipped Travion into a degenerate gambler. Wow! It took a week. It took a week, and now we got him watching the college football, dude. All I mean, just barely twisted your arm, and now you're skimming the channels. Mm-hmm. What's your? Uh, you got your DraftKings too now? You no. <laughs> Well, let me, let me tell you this. Let me go and tell you DG's yeah. record from last week. Ugh. He went three and three. Yeah, best day ever. Travion, 
Four and two. <laughs> I also went four and two. Troy went five and one. Listen, after the uh, company, like, March Madness picks, like, <laughs> when our Sherry won one time, I mean, uh, yeah, the, uh, I'm over it. Accountant slash secretary, you know. <laughs> she cleaned up, man. She won. I go, you know what? I'm not going to take it personally. That's how I talked Trey into doing it. Mm-hmm. I was like, most of the time, because I host right. the uh, the bracket challenge here at the station. I've been doing it since it all started. And uh, I would say more than half the time, it's been people that don't watch college basketball, don't know a thing. They just pick teams. Your results, like the winner results, it's amazing, really. Like the, the lineage of winners is insane, man. Some people that... I think we did have the mascot. Somebody picked what mascot would beat the other mascot and smashed. Smashed. That's crazy. Well, a busy show today. We got three interviews. Curry Sexton will kick off hour number two. AEW Women's World Champion Soraya will join us at around 440 uh, as uh, AEW making its return to Kansas City next week for Title Tuesday. And I got to say, so a lot of matches were announced yesterday. It might be the most stacked card for dynamite in AEW's history like it's that good a lot of like potential wwe hall of famer type of wrestlers gonna be in action whoa um edge who's now at he's going by his real name adam couplin's wrestling chris jericho's wrestling uh brian danielson daniel bryan in wwe he's wrestling soraya she was Paige in wwe she's wrestling dang dude it's gonna be a busy night on tuesday in uh and independence to be exact we are kicking things off with our first interview of the day. And of course, the Cats play tomorrow. It's 3 and 1 K-State, 2 and 2 Oklahoma State. Boone Pickens Stadium where Chris Kleiman is yet to win a game. As they'll be kicking off at 6:30 on ESPN, but of course the the uh, the broadcast right here on K-Man with Powercat Game Day starting at 2:30 in the afternoon and with that, Manhattan High against Junction City. The 108th meeting. Wow. All time between the Indians and Blue Jays will take place at Bishop Stadium tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. That game will be on our sister station, B1047. But we take our first official look at the Oklahoma State Cowboys, and we have our opponent breakdown with Oklahoma State sideline reporter Robert Allen. Robert, thank you so much for your time. Both teams are coming off a bye week. K-State feels like it's a good time for this bye week last week because just trying to get some guys healthy and sure some things up. On the defensive side of the football, was this the right time for two and two Oklahoma State to have a bye week? Yes and no. Uh, the worst thing that I mean, at least from a personal standpoint, one of the worst things I've ever experienced in football was uh, bye week after a loss. You never want to go into a bye week after you lose a game because you're chomping at the bit to get back out there and, and turn it around. So, and I think this team definitely felt that. But much like Kansas State, the Cowboys needed to get some guys healthy. I don't know if it was that uh, famous Jack Trice Stadium turf or whether it was some blown coverages, blown assignments on the back end of the defense, but that was something Brian Nardo wanted to get fixed. Actually, I think there were three big explosive pass plays for the Cyclones, and one of them was definitely a blown coverage and miscommunication. The other two may have been that Jack Trice Stadium turf. 
for the Cowboys, it's been running back and quarterback by committee for the most part. Quarterbacks in Allen Bowman, Gunnar Gundy, and Garrett Rangel. But not against Iowa State. It was all Allen Bowman, two touchdowns, two interceptions, and uh, throws for over 200 yards. There were eight punts for the offense, but was there more positives taken out of the Iowa State game with Allen Bowman as the full-time player? Yeah, I think so. One of the things, and I'm not sure Allen actually won the job, I think the coach has got to the point where we can't keep doing this. It's insanity. And while none of the quarterbacks were playing poorly, I think what they were hoping was one would kind of jettison himself ahead of the crowd, and that really hadn't happened. So they had they had to make a decision. The decision they went with was one that I think would have been made at the end of spring. At that point, Bowman was the guy. It was the summer and it was the start of fall camp where Garrett Rangel and Gunnar Gundy showed the staff that, hey, wait a second, we're, we're, we're not ready to give up the fight. But now you've got to go to a quarterback. You've got to get the offense their identity. You've got to get the receivers and the quarterback uh, or the quarterback on a regular, you know, regular, uh, you know, reps and work pattern and, and get everybody used to each other. And I think, that started at Iowa State. It's continued during the bye week, and I think it. I think it'll definitely benefit this offense. Now, Alan Bowman reminded me this week he's played Kansas State three times already in his career, so it's not going to be new for him. Uh, although I do think this defense is new. I, I no, I think I think the bye week with Alan Bowman at quarterback has has benefited benefited this team the same thing at running back i I, you're going to see all three running backs but i think there's now uh kind of a designated bell cow so to speak and uh you know in uh uh zero (laughs) so uh and he earned that at iowa state he did kind of put himself uh above the crowd ollie gordon did so i think it's a little more settled than what it was Robert, even though Oklahoma State's passing game has had its struggles, they still have a couple of athletes that I think could really give K-State some issues. Although it's no secret, the numbers are certainly below average. I mean, I'm shocked Brendan Presley only has 98 yards receiving through four games. So what is the key thing missing from the passing offense? Yeah, production. If you go back, and I mean, I'm sure, you know, the Kansas State coaches have, uh, Oklahoma State has had two big, maybe three big drops and two of them for sure would have been touchdowns. One of them on the very first drive against uh, South Alabama. I'm not saying that would have changed the outcome, but it would have put Oklahoma State up 7 to nothing, and would have probably put a little bit of doubt in the heads of South Alabama. And I don't know, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't know if people know the story there, but Oklahoma State did this a few years back. They couldn't break the key on the on the West Virginia defense, the old 33 stack. And so they worked on it all spring, and they worked on it in fall camp. Well, they had a great game and beat West Virginia, but I think you could tell where it hurt them in some other games that they had invested so much in, in uh, drilling against that defense. South Alabama, their coach, Kane Womack, over the summer, openly admitted 
Oklahoma State's the game we circled. We worked on them all spring. We worked on them all fall camp, all summer. That's all we thought about. Well, they've lost two games that you would have thought they could have won, including a game with Central Michigan at home. But they beat Oklahoma State. So, I mean, they got their wish, but at what price? And you just have to ask Kane Womack and his staff. And, you know, Oklahoma State, their job is to prevent that from happening. But I'll give South Alabama credit. They uh, Their players talked about everything being in slow motion because they had had so many reps against Oklahoma State's offense and defense. Well, things have sped up for them against people like James Madison. So, uh, yeah, that's, and, and K-State fans are saying, why is he telling us this? Well, uh, it's it's just a fact. That's you know that's a and it's a big fact to this Oklahoma State season because around Stillwater, fans are still their skin is still crawling over losing to South Alabama. So they've got to get past that. And you know what? They won't get past it until they get a big win. And the thing is, K State would be a big win. So uh, I I think. You know, the Oklahoma State focus during bye week was we've got to go out somebody good. And it just so happens the next opponent coming in here is somebody really good. Well, looking at the defensive side of the football, as we're speaking with Oklahoma State sideline reporter Robert Allen, on the defensive side, did see after the loss at Iowa State that uh, safety Trey Rucker was arrested, suspicion for DUI. And I don't know how often this has happened for Gundy, if he's had to deal with this very often at all in his 19 years in in Stillwater. But do you have any prediction if if he will play or not? You know what? It has not happened very often at all. In fact, the last player to be arrested on a DUI before this was two years ago, Trey Rucker. But the way this is looking, this is strike two. If it is indeed strike two, he hasn't gone to court yet. And Mike Gundy told the media today, after talking to uh, Trey's attorney, the attorney believes he's going to beat it. There was no breathalyzer taken. He did uh, flunk the field sobriety test, but it's because they're saying he was tired. This was after they got back from uh, uh, Iowa State, and the next morning he was up watching film at the complex, and this happened at 9.30 in the morning on a Sunday, and he had just left the complex. And they, they know that's a fact because the system logs anybody that comes in and watches tape, uh, and you have your own ID. So they know Trey Rucker was watching tape from – I think they said 7.15 to 9.20. And he left the, left the complex and apparently fell asleep at a stoplight, and that's when the police, uh, rightfully so, uh, you know, confronted him because he was, you know, sitting at the stoplight and wasn't obeying the green light. So... Mike Gundy said today, basically, my hands are tied. I'm not going to do anything until we find out how this ends. If he is guilty, uh, there'll be a penalty. What it will be, I don't know. But uh, there was a penalty the first time. So, um, but they're not going to know that before 
Friday night. So Trey Rucker will suit up, play, and start against K-State. Well, meanwhile, defensively, where the numbers are a little bit better, of course, than the offense, uh, going into the season with a couple of all Big 12 type of players, Colin Oliver, second team all Big 12 in 2022, uh, at linebacker who you know, moves up from D-line, and then uh, safety Kendall Daniels, who was a freshman All-American a year ago. Are they playing at that kind of caliber so far this season? Not really, because they're both adjusting to new positions. I would say... Colin is probably closer than at, at being comfortable at linebacker than maybe Kendall is at the rover position. A lot depends. Kendall's got a lot on his plate. He is technically the quarterback. You know, with Iowa State, they call it the joker. You know, that, that position is like your quarterback on defense. So I, I still think he is learning the rope, but I do think he's getting better. There's good support for him with the two veteran corners especially Corey Black. And then uh, I think there's a good chance that Lyric Rawls, who missed the Iowa State game injury-wise, will be back on Friday. Robert, got a couple more for you. Last one about the defenses that I saw with the advanced analytics. Uh, Somebody tweeted about it that Oklahoma State has the most missed tackles or the most uh, highest percentage of missed tackles. Uh, in Power 5 football. I guess if you could eliminate some of those missed tackles, how big of a difference would that make for the success of Oklahoma State's defense? Well, I think you look at the difference between South Alabama and Iowa State. South Alabama rushed for, I don't remember, but it was north, I'm going to say north of 200 yards uh, in that ball game. I know they had one rusher that was over 100. Uh, and most of it were guys having a chance to put the running back down within two yards of the line of scrimmage and not getting it done. Then against Iowa State, you know, they hold the Cyclones to 74 yards total rushing. And uh, I think in the first half, it was something like 26. Uh, They weren't missed tackles. So I think what you've got is, you know, and one of the things they did between the South Alabama game and the Iowa State game was something they don't do very often, and that is live tackle in practice. Now, they didn't do it with good on good. They did it with the scout team. But uh, the, the four scout running backs got tackled, and I think it worked. They did that during the, uh, you know, the bye week as well. They're tapering off a little bit as they get closer to the game, but – uh, they have done a lot of physical work to get the tackling right. So I think there are, uh, that was much, much better against Iowa State. And hopefully it'll need to be much, much better against D.J. Giddens and, and uh, Kansas State. Will Howard as well. If, if Will's 100%, he's going to run the ball some. Well, Robert, to wrap up, I, I want to follow up on what you said earlier about you know the Cowboy fans after the South Alabama loss, that you feel like that loss is just making their skin crawl still and it's not going to stop until they get a, a big win. And I totally hear you on that. K-State fans would absolutely be the same. You know, Gundy's been at this for quite a long time, 19 years now, and he's righted the ship a, a handful of times after starting 2-2. Two and two. Do you feel like there's still confidence in Mike Gundy right now to do it once again and get Oklahoma State on the right track this season? Yeah, I'm, I'm probably the wrong person to ask that because I've known Mike Gundy since he was in uh, junior high. I've uh, known him, covered him when he was a starting quarterback at Midwest City, and I was at Channel 4 at the NBC affiliate. Covered him at 
during all his years at Oklahoma State, uh, know him, know his family well. Uh, Mike is truly one of the smartest football people I've ever been around. Uh, you know, one of the things I think over the last six years, maybe, previous to this one, he's had a son in high school as a quarterback. Uh, Gunner's now on the team with him at OSU, but Gage, the youngest one's playing baseball in Florida. He coached, or he quarterbacked Stillwater to the state championship last year, 6A, uh, 6A2. Uh, if there was ever a distraction for Mike Gundy, he was distracted watching his son. And rightfully so. You got to be a dad. I mean, you could be a head coach. I know that uh, Coach uh, Kleinman has a son at him, I think, in Emporia, right? Uh, Kansas Wesleyan. Oh, Kansas Wesleyan. Okay, I knew he was playing uh, Division II football mm-hmm. and uh, got to see him play last week. I heard him on his coaching show. You want to see your kid play. That's your family. And so Mike never, you know, he was, he was still doing his job, but he wouldn't travel sometimes. He'd stay, watch his son, and then take a private plane and join the team. He doesn't have that distraction anymore. And I've noticed in the off season, in the summer, this fall, he has been more engaged than any of the previous, like I said, about six years. And he's done some good coaching over the last six years. But it's probably good that he doesn't have those distractions because he's got a big job in front of him right now. If you're asking me, do I think he'll get it done? Absolutely. I'd be... I've I've been on the Gundy, you know, the Gundy bandwagon, and I've been my my son played for him. Uh, so yeah, you're talking to a pretty big believer in Mike Gundy. Well, there's no doubt. Despite the records, weird things can happen in a game between K State and Oklahoma State. The game in Stillwater. It's a Friday night blackout, sold out Boone Pickens Stadium. Should be an interesting ball game. Robert, thank you so much for your time, and hope to talk to you down the road. All right, thanks. Once again, that is the Oklahoma State sideline reporter, Robert Allen, joining us here on the game. Still to come, we'll have Curry Sexton in Mission Vegas in hour number two, but we're sticking with Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. We're going to blindly rank five with DG when we come back on the game. We're back on the game. Mitch Fortner, David G., Travion Berkland, still to come in our hour number one. AEW Women's World Champion Soraya will join us for a few moments, plus in hour number two, Curry Sexton. We'll get some Mitch in Vegas, number one song of the day, and uh, ask us anything. I've been trying to make this a Thursday thing as much as possible. When we have David G. blindly rank five, how this game goes is we're going to rank five things with a particular theme. Deej can rank him however he wants. He's going to hear him one at a time, but the kicker is he doesn't know what comes next, so he kind of has to anticipate as he continues to rank. Hmm. All right. You've done this many times. You know how the how this thing goes, Deej. Yeah. Ready to get this thing started? I am. Your theme is Oklahoma State upsets. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, can I have a pin? Yes. Thank you. Uh, there you go. Yeah. This is uh, Oklahoma State getting upset. Or Oklahoma State getting upset. (laughs) All right, here's your first one. First to rank here is the upset that 
Oklahoma State football suffered back in 2016, losing to Central Michigan 30-27 to on that Hail Mary, and then the lateral. Rush stepping up, throwing to crawl, catches the lateral. Here comes Willis, Willis racing to the end zone! Touchdown! Central Michigan won that game 30-27 to on that incredible play back on uh, September 10th of, of 2016. The thing is, like Oklahoma State, they tried to kill the final four seconds of the game, so they threw the ball away on fourth down. Cowboys were penalized for intentional grounding, and everybody thought, and what it was announced by the referees, that the game cannot end on a loss of down penalty. Well, the rule actually is they got it wrong. It's the opposite. The game can end on a loss of downs penalty, so the play should have never taken place. Where do you rank the upset loss to Central Michigan? So can we talk a little bit about this here? Sure. Um, Because I remember at the time that was a a huge, a huge uh, upset. So at 2016 – do, what were they ranked at that time? Uh, I don't have that. Okay. I can tell you. So that they started two and two that year. It's the last time OSU started two and two prior to this year. They went on to win ten games. Mm-hmm. But at the time, um, wow, yeah. was it a shocker? That was a especially big time. how the way it ended. You know? Yeah, it was such a crazy play. That was a, a big time. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna put that in number two. That mm. that was a, that was a at the time I remember being like, good god. All right, Oklahoma State upset number two. You know, it's not, uh, you know, the last two Big 12 championship games have come to goal line stands. It's not just K-State's win last year. Nope. The game prior to that in, 2000, or in 2021, that was also won on a goal line stand. For Oklahoma State, win a conference championship if you score in all likelihood. And perhaps the CFP, Jackson, trying to turn the court. And he did not get there. Jaron McVay raced him to the pylon and made sure he came up inches short. The goal line stand determined that Baylor would win the Big 12 championship as uh, Desmond Jackson reached for the pylon. He was uh, just a few inches short. And uh, the fifth-ranked Cowboys, that ended their shot at a college football playoff. God, I hate Baylor. <laughs> oh, just God dang it. What year was that? Was 2000? That was two years ago. Yeah. Um, that's number three. That's a, but that's a heartbreaker. Man, that's a heartbreaker. All right. Deed so far as the Central Michigan upset, number two. The Baylor upset two years ago, number three. So one, four, and five still remaining as we're blindly ranking five Oklahoma State upsets. Number three. Will take us to September twenty second, two thousand seven. After the uh, Cowboys won over Texas Tech, this is uh, you know the other kind of upset. Mike Gundy was upset <laughs> with the media. If you want to go after an athlete, one of my athletes, you go after one that doesn't do the right things. You don't downgrade him because he does everything right and may not play as well on Saturday, and you let us make that decision. That's why I don't read the newspaper, because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage, attacking an amateur athlete for doing everything right. And then you want to write articles about guys that don't do things right and downgrade them, the ones that do make plays. Are you kidding me? Where are we at in society today? 
Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. That was a little over 16 years ago now. A little bit of background on what that was. So Gundy and the Oklahoma State coaching staff, they benched quarterback Bobby Reed. And he was most of starter for 2006. And then they gave the job to Zach Robinson. Jenny Carlston, who wrote for the Oklahoman, which I think she actually just left uh, recently. Uh, she wrote for the Oklahoman and Gundy didn't like that article that she had about that <laughs> whole situation. So what people also forget about that is right before he went in there, he absolutely downed a Red Bull. <laughs> I, he, he was fueling up for the rant. Wow. Uh, and then let it go in the in the press conference. Where do you put, I'm a man, I'm 40? Okay, that man, what a surpriser in there. And th- that, is, that is gold for the rest of eternity. That That's one of the best ever. Uh, but but because of where I've put these first two, yeah, I have to put it at four. But that was a beautiful. I'm a man. I'm forty. Everybody knows what that is. Oh, and, and I, I think everything here. If you maybe you need to be a little bit more of a casual fan to be able to picture everything. I know as a college football, college athletics fan, and you, everything we're gonna play here, you can easily picture. For sure, it's easily memorable. That's how big these were. Uh, that that and particular and Bobby Reed though was playing bad he was not a good and when they put in Zach Robinson they went they won 10 games they went crazy Um, okay so to recap you have the C uh, the Central Michigan upset number two the Baylor upset number three I'm a man at 40 I'm a man I'm 40 at number four (laughs) that's the best all right pick number four or a thing to rank upset number four it's another game upset it takes us to the 2011 season when Brian Whedon and number two Oklahoma State went up to Ames, Iowa and lost in double overtime. Well, Woody's in there, the 235-pound running back. And Barnett's the quarterback in the gun. Woody. Touchdown! They did it! For Oklahoma State, that's that's like when K-State lost to AM in the Big 12 championship game. Yeah. This cost Oklahoma State from making it to a national championship game. And as a matter of fact, I mean, this was like the final nail in the coffin for the BCS. Yeah. This is what officially kicked off serious talks for a college football playoff. Ugh. And I, I'll i give you the reasons, actually, if you don't know the story. So when Oklahoma State lost, that kind of completely – it kind of flipped everything upside down. Now all of a sudden you have like five or six teams at the end of the year that are 11-1 and or 12-1, and and now computers are trying to figure out out of those six – Who's going to play for a national championship? Well, it ended up being Alabama. And it kind of kicked off Alabama's dynasty. That's right. So, and LSU was the other team. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Man, what, dude. I know anybody, that, like an Oklahoma State fan that just happens to be listening today is like, why did I choose to <laughs> God, I, I can hear it in their voice. Man, what a, it's, that's got to be number five, but. Okay. God, that I want to put it at one because that just at the time, what a shakeup, man! Like just brutal. Oh, I'm gonna put it at five because I think I know what number one is. Your you, last, you one. do. I think I know. I think I do. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's see. What do you think it is? I think it was. I, I think it's this this last one that they just did. Uh, this uh, this uh, South Alabama. It's not. So this is uh, this is not football. It's basketball. <laughs> We'll get a look at it, Anish. Marcus Smart went into the crowd and 
Oh! Some sort of issue with someone behind the basket, and you'll see it here at the crash at the rim on the foul. Marcus Smart runs into the crowd, falls in. As he goes to get up, he turns and pushes. Right there. That's an, an easy call. An elderly, an easy call. That's that's disgusting behavior. <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> okay, so Oklahoma State was upset in that game. They were 19th ranked at the time, lost at unranked Texas Tech, 65-61. But the bigger upset was Marcus Smart getting upset after, okay, there was a turnover in like the last minute. So it's in tra- uh, tech in transition. They're trying to go for the dunk of the layup or whatever. And, and Marcus, Smart, Marcus Smart tries to swat it, picks up a foul, stumbles into the crowd. Somebody behind him, this older gentleman who still sits in that very seat, um, the story is he said something racist. Right. Marcus Smart turns around, gets in his face, and shoves him. Yeah. So a different, again, Kind of upset, but Marcus Smart getting upset with a fan. Great pick. By the way, this is fantastic. This is number one. Um, first of all, he was somebody that just, like, he brought that out in people. Like, he was such a pest. That guy I heard, though, too, had been giving him the business the whole game. Like, the whole game had been riding him. And also, I think one of the guys that, like, broke it up, shout out Le- LeBrian Nash. I haven't thought of that. I was just thinking in my head, like the the footage. I can see it in my head. I'm pretty sure LeBron Nash like grabbed him and like like took him out of there. But that I'll never forget that either. That was nuts. That feels like it was a long time ago. It does. Like what? Do you remember what year that took place? I think it was 2009 or 2010. So that's exactly what I was thinking. It was 2014. What? It was only nine years ago. No way. I, when I looked up the date, I was like, it was only that long ago? Oh my I, I could have sworn. It feels like Marcus Smart played for Oklahoma State at least, a, at wow. least 12, 13 years ago. Wow. You're kidding. I don't think it can be LeBron Nash. Then. It well, it's funny how yeah, dates and, and time just kind of... Meshed together Mesh. after a while, right? Wow. Well, he LeBron Nash went to the NBA draft in 2015, so it probably okay. Yeah, definitely been, was him. Could have been him. I don't know. Um, that's crazy. That's crazy, man. You really blew my, you blew my mind there. That that's wild. Wow. That is the uh, he was upset. He was very upset. <laughs> very well, upset. And, and hats off to Marcus Smart. I, I, I've not really followed his career at all. I'm not an NBA guy ever since he left Oklahoma State, but he's talked probably. <laughs> Tens, hundreds of times about this very incident. Yeah, and it was you know, and the story has always been. And if you've watched the game and watched the clip, when Marcus Smart gets in the guy's face, the guy is saying, "I'm sorry," or saying in some sort of fashion, "I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that." When Marcus Smart got in his face, if you read the lips, um, so that makes it more you know pretty believable that he sure. said something definitely racist. Sure. Um, and it was something about like go back to Africa Ugh. or something. It was really bad. Oh, it was really God. bad. What a um, but Marcus Smart, whenever he's asked about that, doesn't usually go into a whole lot of detail. Sure. He doesn't bring up the word racist or racial. He just says, you know, the guy said something and it upset me. He's also said like right before that game, he heard his mom is in the hospital Ooh. and he did not know about it. He actually heard it from a friend or something because she didn't tell him. Um, so he was already pretty emotional and one more yeah. thing needed to trigger him and he was, and he was off, but some idiot sitting courtside yeah. and, and Marcus Smart said it as well that, um, and I saw this in, or heard this in an interview that, 
um, when that happened, that was now his whole image. Yeah. He was no longer known for a great basketball player. He was known for the player that shoved a fan mm-hmm. on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, you know, obviously, we all remember how good he was at Oklahoma State. Pretty solid. Yeah, he was awesome. Although I do believe K-State was actually pretty good mm-hmm. against Marcus Smart, Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would beat him in Lubbock. I'd have to double check on that. But that's our uh, that's our blindly ranked five. This is what Deej came out with. That's good. Five to one. The Iowa State upset. Four was the uh, I'm a man. I'm forty three. <laughs> Baylor upset. Two Central Michigan. And number one would be Marcus Smart. Man, he was angry. shoving a fan. He was angry. And then I do. I hate how they immediately jump on him. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, disgusting. I would say disgusting's a bit of a reach for that. Yeah. Let's take a break. When we come back, we finish Hour 1 speaking AEW with the Women's World Champion, Soraya, next. AEW Dynamite Title Tuesday, this Tuesday, October 10th at Cable Dahmer Arena in Independence, Missouri. And now we catch up with AEW Women's World Champion, Soraya. Well, what an exciting <laughs> last few days it's been for yeah. AEW with, you know, Dynamite last night was fantastic, and then, yep. you know, Russell Dream this past week, and we got the debut of Adam Copeland, which is incredible. For somebody that's yeah. made two surprise debuts in her career, what was that like to watch that moment? Dude, it was incredible, because I look up to um, Adam and Daniel Bryan for the fact that they both you know, had career-ending injuries, the same as me, and they both managed to come back before I did. But it was, like, very inspiring for me. And then to have, obviously, Brian within AEW and now have, you know, formerly known as Edge, you know, like, he was my idol growing up. So it's really, really cool to see that. And I can't wait, you know, get to work next next Tuesday for Title Tuesday so I can get a group picture with those two. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. And we, we, we just... It's nice to have someone of his caliber there, too. I mean, the viewership just on his night alone, I think it was like over 14 to 15 million views or something like that, like across the social platforms. It's freaking incredible. I want to talk about All In because on the show, on my show, it was leading up to college football. We cover a lot of college football. But there was yeah. nothing I was more fascinated with than watching the ticket sales because it, it blew yeah. everybody away. And it, like even yeah. the big wrestling media was like, well, 40,000 would be fantastic. It was over 85,000 people in attendance. And from yep. being from England, what was that like watching the ticket sales grow? And just take me through that night for you with even your family walking out with you. I so okay. So I said from day one, from uh, like on, on social media and everything, because even like Big media outlets were like, AEW is never going to be able to fill Wembley. They're never going to be able to do it. Then, of course, once we launched on the first day, it did over 60,000, which is a huge deal. And then I said, England turns up every single time they'll turn up. And, you know, it's like pretty much our WrestleMania. So people will be coming all over the world. Like, people want to be involved in such a big show like that. I mean, it's like we're making history, and everyone wants to be a part of that. So it was really wonderful. I'm glad that my country turned up. It was huge, and they were loud, and they were just incredible. And then, of course, having my family walk out, it was such a special moment because my family's never been a part of something like that. And AEW, I mean, I brought it up to Tony once, and he was like, let's do it. This is awesome. And then I got to walk out to Queen, and then, you know, after I won, I got to blast my boyfriend friend song too so it was a magical magical moment and i'm so fortunate like i feel so happy that i got to be a part of history like that it's really really incredible now speaking of uh england uh i saw this it was a video of chef gordon ramsay and i don't know what it was for but he took a bump it was like a real beginner's bump obviously uh you could easily tell he hated 
every bit of it. He landed weird. Uh, probably would never want to do it again. I knew you grew up in a ring, but I love yeah. a good first bump story. Do you remember that first <laughs> one? Did you hate it? What was your thoughts? First of all, when people start doing wrestling stuff, they think it's so easy until they take a bump, right? And you, that's one of the first things you have to learn is how to bump properly and how to protect yourself. And, you know, the first couple of bumps you take, they never go smoothly ever. So the first bump, it never goes smoothly. And, and the first bump I took, I got knocked out twice. <laughs> like, not completely out, but it rung my bell a little bit, where I was, like, you know, seeing butterflies and stuff around my head. But I appreciate Gordon doing it, and I think it's awesome that Gordon Ramsay would do something like that because it takes someone very brave to do something, especially if he'd never been in that world before. And, uh, yeah, I think it's absolutely incredible. It must have sucked for him because, obviously, he's, like, never done them before. I'm sure they, they taught him how to, like, tuck his chin and stuff like that. But when you do the first time, you're not thinking about that. There's so many different details you have to think about when you're taking a first bump. And that kind of goes out the window because you're so scared of throwing your body on the ground, of course. But, you know, if he takes a couple more bumps, I'm sure he'll get used to it and learn how to protect himself a little bit more. But, yeah, it sucks. Taking a bump sucks. There's not many professions out there that can make or break you uh, within, yeah. like, 15 minutes. It's in- yeah. it's incredible, especially <laughs> if you do get that opportunity to uh, take a bump that early. But um, Right, and you can do all the moves. All the moves like that could probably come natural to some people, some people not so much. It's the bumping. Like, people don't realize, like, you have to have a lot of courage to throw your body to the ground and take a face bump where you kind of, like, timber like a tree all the way down, and you have to just learn how to protect yourself and have the courage to do it. And it just takes it takes a lot of balls. Well, I'm a little older than you. I've been following wrestling since, you know, I was a you know real little kid, obviously, and grew up in the... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Attitude Era, and I, I love the stories of, like, The Undertaker being so respected, but I love the, also the Owen Hart story. Storytelling in wrestling cannot be touched. Does AEW have the well-known prankster? Does AEW have the one person in the locker room that has the most mad respect out of anybody? Probably Daniel Bryan, because he's, uh, first of all, the prankster, but also, like, you know, people look up to him and they want to learn from him, and, yeah, he just, he holds that, like, you know, he has that energy where he, that he's very, very respected and people adore him. Every, you're not going to come across a person backstage at AEW or, or any, like, company in the world, any wrestler, that has anything negative to say about Brian. Because, I mean, he's a genius within the wrestling world, but his psychology is also genius, too. Before we get to Kansas City Tuesday night and uh, your matchup against Akaro Shida, two questions yeah. that we ask every wrestler we have on the show. So, okay. Number one, my favorite noise, let's put it that way, favorite noise, favorite sound is a crowd pop. Your personal favorite or somebody else's uh, pop, what's been your favorite crowd reaction? Well, first of all, when I turned up in AEW, I feel like that was extremely loud, so I love that. I love that moment. Um, I loved... I love anyone making a debut. Like it's always like a huge shock to any of the AEW fans. And Tony does such a good job of hiding the fact that he's going to have someone debut that day. The crowd reaction of people turning up and hearing someone's bring music for the first time. Like recently, Edges. I mean, Adam Copeland's like got to have all a bridge. And like you think you know me right at the very beginning. It's such an iconic theme tune. So yeah, it's got to be yeah the the uh, debuts are my favorite. The other question is. And this can be mm-hmm. a tough one, and I understand, but just your personal wrestling Mount Rushmore, any way you want to categorize Ooh. it. Okay. I would say Bull Meccano is up there. Ooh, okay. Bull Meccano, uh, Stone Cold, 
Adam Copeland, just for the way she looked, because I, I was so inspired by her and she brought out like more of my edgy side. I'd have to say Lita. Like I was so incredibly inspired by her. Those four, and if I can add maybe an extra couple, I would say Daniel Bryan and Eddie Guerrero. Tuesday Night Dynamite, Title Tuesday, Kansas City. It's arguably the best Dynamite card ever. I think Kansas City should be should feel so lucky to have oh, what's yeah. coming Tuesday night. You're included, and you have a huge mm-hmm. title match. You're defending against Hikaru Shida, who I love. I think she's fantastic talent. Take mm-hmm. me through the scouting report. What are you facing on Tuesday? One of the day one is in AEW. She's one of the OGs, and people do love her. And, you know, and she does get a good crowd reaction when she walks out. But, you know, like... What can I say? I'm the biggest star. That's why I'm holding the championship, and I'm I'm better than her. That's why I'm holding the championship. So I'm I'm gonna be walking out of the you know AEW Women's Lord Champion, whatever happens. But I'm gonna get give her like you know my good little star power and elevate her a little bit and she's a she's a very lucky woman to be in the ring with me well i cannot wait for this show tickets still on sale at awtix.com soraya yeah. best of luck tuesday night yeah. against uh, hikaru shida and it was great to talk to you best of luck you too thank you once again, that's AEW Women's World Champion Soraya here on The Game. I'm uh, very happy to announce that we'll have another AEW interview coming up this Tuesday, which is also the same night as Tuesday Night Dynamite in Independence, Missouri. The Ocho, the Demo God, the Wizard, the Painmaker, Chris Jericho will join us on The Game this Tuesday. Hour two of the game right here today will feature Curry Sexton, Bitch in Vegas, number one song of the day, and Ask Us Anything, and so is your local news coming up next.